Well, as always, Wrightsfield did an excellent job. The Holy Spirit, he was listening to the Holy Spirit because um, the sermon was in the, was in the music. I love that line. I wrote it down. Come let us sing a song. Does anybody remember? A song declaring that what? We belong to Jesus. Is that true? I mean, that's really the sermon. I mean, we could stop. I'll just ask you, is that true in your life? Do you belong to Christ? It's really what the text is about. We see five men encounter Jesus. We see five men invited to follow Him. We see five men go. Have you accepted the invitation to walk with Jesus? Or, as I like to often say, are you simply a church member? You... You don't really have to know God to be a church member. It doesn't take any faith to be a church member. But if you're going to walk with Jesus Christ, (laughs) it takes all the faith that you can muster. You must have, as the song just sang, you must have a faithful God. If He's not a faithful God, surely you can't walk with Him if He's not a faithful God. But He is a faithful God. Amen? It's the unending, resounding course of the Bible. Jehovah God is a promise keeper. He keeps His promises to His people. Yeah, so we sing the song, a song declaring that we belong to Jesus. I love it. It's the perfect follow-up to Palm Sunday and Resurrection Sunday. As you know, if you were here the last two weeks, that we took the opportunity to try to remember on those two occasions exactly who that is on the donkey coming into Jerusalem and who that is being nailed to a cross. So, remember what we said? Who is that on the donkey and who is that being nailed to the tree? It's, I am God, amen? It's God. We, you may remember, we, we said He's the Creator God. He's the Genesis 1-1 God. Uh, the genius, omnipotent Creator God. He's the God of, of, of Genesis 6 and 7. He's the, God of, uh, the holy God of righteous indignation and wrath when He wiped out all of mankind and everything upon the earth apart from... Noah and those in the ark. He's the God of Exodus 19, the thunderous, fiery, smoking, quaking Mount Sinai. That's who's on the donkey, beloved. He's the God of Daniel 7. He's used to having myriads and myriads and myriads of angels adoring Him from all eternity past. That's who's on the donkey. That's who is on the tree. He's the thrice holy God of Isaiah 6. He's the awesome sovereign God of Psalm 99. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He's enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. That's who's on the donkey. I am God's on the donkey. I am God is being nailed to a tree. We remembered last week as we remembered the, the crucifixion of Jesus and His awesome resurrection. We were reminded that the Bible tells us that 
that uh, I am God is a God of burning anger, great indignation, blazing and fierce wrath. He's the God of Psalm 7 who is angry with the wicked every day. He's the God of Psalm 5 who hates all who do iniquity. He's the God of Revelation 19 coming back, Jesus Christ coming back to tread the fierce wrath of God. I wanted to remember those things. Who's on this donkey? Who's on the cross? If it really is God on the donkey, if it really is God on the cross, how do you respond? With a little bit of religion on Sunday? I hope not. I hope what we're saying is true of you. I hope you belong to Him. I hope you've done the deal. I hope you did the transaction. I hope you've given yourself away to Him. <laughs> it's the only reason. Yeah. He's left you walking around on the planet that you would be His and that you would be His witness. That's why we're here, beloved. That's why He's left us on the planet. Awesome, fearsome, unapproachably holy, consuming fire. God is on the donkey. He's on the cross. Why is He on the cross? We talked about it last week. Because of His great love with which He loved us. You heard me pray it. It's an unprovoked love. There was no reason for God to love us. We have rebelled against Him. We are rebels with weapons in our hands. We have, as Romans 1 says, we have hated this God even in our religion. You know why it's, a, it's, it's hatred toward God to pr practice religion? Because those who practice religion, they think they're earning some righteousness. They think they're earning favor with God if they'll be a little bit religious. And as I've said already today, that's a stench in the nostrils of God. On your best day, the best thing you've ever thought, the best thing you've ever done, it's filthy rags compared to a holy God. Religion is a stench. Religion is taking millions to hell. And I'm talking about even religion that wears the Christian label. Because of His great love with which He loved us, He sacrificed Himself to atone for the sins of His people. So I'm just going to stop. You don't have to raise your hand or anything. How many of you believe that? And I'm not just talking about in some doctrinal way. I'm not just talking about giving mental assent to the propositions of the Bible. I couldn't be further from that. I'm talking about do you believe God's on the donkey? Do you believe God died for you? And how has that changed your life? I assert to you, if it hasn't changed every day of your life, you haven't believed it. You haven't believed it. Again, <laughs> it's easy to play religion. But if it, have, if it hasn't changed, you know what did Paul say in, in, in one of his letters to the Corinthians? 2 Corinthians something, something. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, I think, 17. If we are in Christ, what? We are... Are you new? That's how you know if you believed. If you're not new, you haven't believed. 
if you're not new, you haven't believed anything. You've become a church member, but you haven't really given yourself, as the song says, to Jesus. So, we are a new creature. The old things, what? They're gone. Oh, some of them are still hanging around in my life, but I don't love them anymore. My premier love, my principal love, my passionate love is Jesus Christ. I've given myself to Him. Everything else comes under Him. Everything else comes under Him. So, have you believed like that? Today in the text, we hear two of the most beautiful words in the whole Bible. Did you hear them? Do you know, do you know where I'm going with this? Did you hear the words? Pardon me? That's right. God incarnate, genius creator God, I am God, says to you and He says to me, He says, follow me. <laughs> Is it awesome or what? If you're religious, you don't understand. If you've given yourself to Jesus, it's the most awesome thing you've ever heard. Jesus says, come and go with me. If you've really believed it, it's changed everything. If you're only religious, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> but I've got more important things to do than follow you, God. I have different priorities. How often do we see it on the pages of Scripture? and in the life of the modern church. Jesus says, follow me. Can it be true? It's true. God said it. Follow me. You have a personal invitation to follow Christ. If you'll take it, it'll be the most fun you ever have. I lived half my life for myself, and I've lived the second half for Him. And I can tell you, there's no comparison. There's no comparison. You'll just have a lot more fun. <laughs> and I'm not trying to dumb it down. But your soul will be full. Your mind will be full. Your heart will be full. Your imagination will be full. Because you're walking with God. You're walking with God We've been invited. It's John 10, 27. It is what biblical Christianity is in one verse. John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Right? That's you, right? You've heard His voice. You've come into relationship with Him. And the most important thing you do every day is honor Him in your life. Right? You've given yourself, as the song says, you've given yourself to Him. Right? You don't own your life. He owns your life, right? That's right. That's what discipleship looks like. Salvation is discipleship. Discipleship is salvation. These are synonymous terms in the Bible. There's no distinction. There's no dichotomy. We understand from our Bibles that this is what real Christians do. While no disciple follows Jesus perfectly, and I want you to hear this, none of us are perfect in this, I hope you understand that. 
but we are relentless in this. Amen? We are not perfect in following Christ, but we are relentless in following Christ. I won't let anything get in the way. And, I, and if I've let something get in the way, I'll ask God to help me get that out of my life, or at least get it off the altar of my life, that I might indeed truly walk with Jesus. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Discipleship is a lifestyle. It's not something you prayed once and you attend church on Sunday. That's not Christianity. Christianity is, I've given myself to Christ. My life is His. He can do whatever He pleases. It's not mine anymore. It's His. That's what we're going to see in the lives of these five men. They give themselves away to Jesus. He says, come. They say, I'm in. Don't you love it? Christianity is so simple. Jesus says, come, and you get to decide, right? I'm either in, or I'm out, or I'll try to find some religious middle ground and just try to placate God a little bit on Sunday. Try to keep Him working for me, you know, try to keep those blessings coming. I've seen this all my life, beloved. I've seen this all my life. Um, it would be better for you, if that's where you are with God, it would be better for you It's not safe to play games with God. Let me just say it this way. This is not a good thing to do. This is not a safe thing to do. We are not perfect, and I just want to tell you real quick, you guys know that great text in Philippians 3, 12 through 14. I'm going to read it to you from the message. This is Paul. He says, man, I haven't arrived. I haven't arrived, but I'm on my way. I'm reaching for Christ who has wondrously reached for me. He says, don't get me wrong, I haven't arrived, but I've got my eye on the goal. I'm off and I'm running and I'm never turning back, right? That's how it is with every born-again Christian in this room. We're myopic in one sense. I see Jesus. I don't look to the left. I don't look to the right. I see Jesus. I love Jesus. I treasure Jesus. I adore Jesus. I abandon myself to Jesus, right? That's how it is with you, right? Hey, if it's God on a donkey and God on a cross, isn't that the least we can do? Isn't it the least? He's given Himself away to us. Can you imagine how offensive it is to Him that we would simply play church? You haven't really believed it. If you haven't given yourself to Him. And it's, part, it's what the lesson is about tonight. It's what the lesson is about. You know what God says in the Old Testament. He says, I hate in Amos and in uh, Isaiah 1, Amos 5, God says, I hate your religious pretense. He told the Jews in the Old Testament, I hate hate what you do when you say you're worshiping me. I hate it. And on Malachi chapter 1, he says, just stop. Just shut it down. Just close the gate. Quit doing it. It's worthless to me. 
Of course, Jesus says the same thing to the Pharisees in the New Testament. You remember that great text, I forget what chapter it's in, in Matthew, it's Matthew somewhere, where, is it the seven or eight woes? He says, woe unto you, you hypocrites. God hates hypocrisy. He hates it. What is that, Peter? Matthew 23. Woe unto you, you who play religion! Beloved, it's a serious thing. It's a serious thing. You know, it's like God says, here I am, you can have all of me that you want. And we say, some of us say, no, religion's better. <laughs> I'll just do some religion. It's, yeah, it's an affront and an offense to God. So, are you all in with Jesus? I'm just going to ask you, are you all in? That's the question tonight. Are you all in? Are you really all in? If you're not all in, I challenge everyone in this room to go home. Whoever's not all in, go home and do business with God and get all in. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, get all in with Jesus. I promise you on the last day, you will not be sorry that you went all in. Whatever that looks like in your life, we all have different responsibilities and orbits and spheres of influence and circumstance. But God knows if you're all in at the university. He knows if you're all in in the marriage. He knows if you're all in at church. He knows. He knows. Okay, so we're going to see five men follow Christ. I'm going to ask you at the end of the sermon, so there'll be grades given. I'm going to ask you at the end of the sermon, how did they do it? How did they do it? So let's look at this text very briefly. I won't reread the text. You heard it read. Jesus says, it's the Lamb of God, right? And so there are two disciples. You know who they are, John and Andrew. It says it's the Lamb of God. And they begin to follow the Lamb of God. Verse 37 they begin to follow Jesus. Well, we already can see the answer to my question. How did they do it? We can already see it. How did they do it? Maybe you're not ready to answer yet. We can already see it. Verse 38. We've got to put ourselves in their sandals here. Okay? I think, I'm pretty sure they think they're walking after Messiah here. And Messiah turns around. Isn't this a beautiful thing for God to do? God turns around and He says, what do you guys want? Right? What are you seeking? Right? Verse 38. And they said to Him, Teacher, where are you staying? Is that what they really wanted to know? <laughs> where are you staying? What a terrible question to ask God. Where are you staying? Right? <laughs> right? It's like... I think they were so nervous, they didn't know what to say. <laughs> God, in His graciousness, He turns and He says, what do you guys want? And all they could come up with is, <laughs> where are you staying? Verse 39, and Jesus says this beautiful thing. God says this beautiful thing. What does He say? He says, come and see. Isn't that a beautiful invitation from God? Come and see. 
I love it. He simply says, come and see. What do you seek, he says. You know, this is the question that God asks each one of us in the room here. If it's the things of the world, He'll let you go after them. If that's what you want, He'll let you go your own way. If it's Him, He will make sure that you find Him. Right? We've talked a lot about this the last six months or so. Jeremiah 29.13, God says, You will seek Me and find Me when you search for Me with all your heart. We talked about it back in January in our sermon on seeking God. God relentlessly calls men to seek Him, but we know what Romans tells us, right? Romans 3, there are none who seek for God. What does the man and woman who seek for God, what do they find when they, when they find God? What do they find? They find that God has been seeking them all along, right? <laughs> this is the truth of Christianity. He's the seeker! If you know Christ, it's not because you sought Him. It is because, and this is abundantly clear throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, if you know God, it's because God has come after you. Beloved, this is simply the truth of the Scripture. I know it makes some people nervous when God talks like this, but this is exactly how God talks. Jesus responds to every honest heart. I love this. Every God-sought seeker. Every God-sought seeker will be found by God. Back to verse 38. Jesus says, What do you seek? I think if they had been honest, they would have said everything. <laughs> if they would have been honest, they would have said everything. Are you Messiah? I know you hold everything in your right hand. Every joy, every pleasure, every thrill, every satisfaction. I think if they had been honest, they would have said everything. His <laughs> Teacher, where are you staying? Where are you staying? He says, come and see. Jesus' answer to John and Andrew here in the text, it's the same answer He gives to you and me. He says, come and see. No man will be able to stand before God on the last day and said. I never had a chance. I, I never got the invitation. I never understood that you were there and that I could come to you. No man at, on the last day will be able to stand before God and say that because of what God tells us in Romans 1. Every man knows. God put it in our conscience. He put it in our heart. We know. We know Jesus Christ is our Creator. We know. The Bible is clear about that. Jesus says, come and see. Come and see who I am. It will take you forever. Right? 
You'll never get to the end of me. That's one thing I love about Christianity. You'll never get to the end of Jesus Christ. He will fill your heart and your soul and your mind and your imagination for a billion eternities. You'll never grow weary of loving Him and worshiping Him and knowing Him. You never get to the end of Him. <laughs> I love that reality. And did you notice here in verse 39, John says it's the 10th hour. Who cares? I think, I think Mark read it. It was uh, 4 o'clock, 4 p.m. Who cares? Do you care? I, I don't care. You know who cares? John's writing this 60 years later. You know who cares? John cares. <laughs> At 4 p.m., he met God on this day. He never forgot it, right? I'm sure you can remember exactly where he was standing in the road with Jesus. And I'm sure you can remember that, that smile that Jesus gave him. <laughs> and he can still hear the words, come and see. And he's still coming 60 years later. He's still coming and he's still seeing, right? <laughs> Who cares? John cares. I think it's a beautiful thing. He found... Verse 40, Andrew went to his brother Simon Peter, verse 41, and he says, we have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon the son of John. You shall be called Cephas. Of course, God, Jesus Christ, God incarnate, exercises His sovereign authority. He renames this man. Right? You shall be called Cephas. Peter in the Greek, meaning rock. Meaning rock. Andrew brings his brother to Jesus. We only, the young adults should know this. We covered this a couple of weeks ago. We only see Andrew three times in the New Testament. He's always doing the same thing. What's he doing? Anybody remember? Any of the young adults remember? He's bringing someone to Christ. Isn't that an awesome eulogy? An awesome epitaph. Amen? We don't know much about Andrew, but he gave himself to Jesus and he brought other people with him. <laughs> that's, that's Christianity. That's discipleship. That's your job. If you've gotten confused what's your principal job on the planet, it's to bring other people to Jesus. Your career is second. Your family is second. Your portfolio is, I don't know, maybe 20th. Right? Andrew's bringing people to Jesus. What a great way to be remembered. You are Cephas, meaning rock in the Aramaic. Peter in the Greek. It's Peter's new name. It's, it's symbolic of how God, how Jesus Christ changes the life of every uh, true disciple. It's just a picture. You know, Peter is kind of a squishy guy, right? Uh, he's a little bit unreliable, uh, he's somewhat erratic. He's giving, given to caprice. 
But in Christ, He's a rock, right? He's a rock. Jesus says, you're my rock. I'm going I'm to change you, Peter. It's what real Christianity is. Have you changed? Have you been changed? Have you been changed? You know, I, I, I have friends in the States. I don't see them anymore. But I'll run into them every once in a while. Haven't seen them for 20 years. Yeah, I'm back in the States, you know, visiting our, our family and our grandkids and stuff. Haven't seen them in 25 years. Run into them. They profess to be Christians. They're still in the same place they were 25 years ago. They haven't changed a bit. And one thing I know, you can't be in a relationship with Jesus Christ for 25 years and not change. Somebody's lying to somebody. <laughs> right? Beloved, if you haven't changed, you don't know Him. You haven't met Him yet. God changes the people who come with Him. He turns barren women into mothers. He turns harlots into heroes. He turns whining farmers into valiant warriors. He turns young boys into giant slayers. You have to go with God to find out who you are. Some of you think you know who you are. You think you know. <laughs> if you haven't done the transaction, if you haven't given yourself to Jesus, you have no idea who you are. You have no clue who you're supposed to be. The only way to find out who you're supposed to be <laughs> and what daring exploits God wants to do through you is to come into relationship with your Creator. That's the only way you find out who you are. That's the only way you find out what you're supposed to do and who you're supposed to be. Let me ask you this. I think I've asked you this before. Is it okay if God blows up your life? Or have you got everything just like you want it? <laughs> Is it okay if God turns everything upside down? Are you okay with that? Are you okay? If God shows up tomorrow and He has a different plan, are you good with that? Are you down with that? Will you, will you just drop what you're doing and go? Again, it's the definition of discipleship here. Verse 43, Jesus says to Philip, He says, follow Me. So do you see the secret? How do they do it? Philip does. How do they do it? Have you seen it yet? Do you understand it yet? How do, they, how do these men do it? You know, the, the grammar here, follow Me, Present imperative, it means to follow me now and keep on following me forever. That's what it means. It doesn't mean pray the magic prayer and you're in. It doesn't mean that. It means follow me today and every nanosecond for the rest of your life. That's what it means to follow Jesus Christ. When Jesus says follow me, He's asking for the rest of your life. He's not asking for a little bit of religion on Sunday. He's asking for the rest of your life. And those who go with Jesus find out that life with Jesus is infinitely better than life without Jesus. 
I meet people all the time and you know, they're still hanging on. Man, I want to hang on to what I have. I want to hang on to who I am, who I think I am. I want to hang on to this really small little you know, existence that I have. And, and, and yeah, that's what I want. It's lost, beloved. It's not simply wrong. It's loss. It's your loss to live like that. Verse 45. Philip follows. He goes to find Nathaniel. He says, we found him. Nathaniel, we found him. He's from Nazareth. Nathaniel says, verse 46, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And, and he says the same thing. Philip says, he says, come and see. Right? Come and see. Verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and he said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile, which just means no craftiness or fraud or deceit. He knows that because Nathanael spoke his heart, right? <laughs> He's prejudiced against anybody who comes from Nazareth, right? So he knows. He just spoke his heart. Verse 48, Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Because before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. What is God saying to him right there? <laughs> Nathanael knows that's where he goes to hide, right? That's where he goes to pray. That's where he goes to be alone. Nobody knows that place. Nobody's ever found him in that place. Jesus said, I saw you there. <laughs> I saw you there. Nathaniel says, verse 49, you are the Son of God. <laughs> he immediately recognizes divinity and omniscience. You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Verse 50, Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do, uh, do you believe? You shall see greater things than these. Jesus already knows Nathaniel. How does he know Nathaniel? Someone tell me. It's not rocket science. How does Jesus know Nathaniel? Okay, you're disappointing me now. I'll get over it. I'll pray through it. I'll be good. Because he made him. He made Nathaniel. He thought up Nathaniel. He built and designed Nathaniel. He knows every word before it's on his tongue. He knows every hair on his head. He is his creator. He knows Nathaniel. <laughs> Isn't it an awesome thing? Now, if you're a sinner running from God, it's a scary thing to realize that you're known like that. But if you're a repentant sinner in love with Jesus, it's a comfort to know you're known like that. You know, I've often said on my worst day, when nobody else can tell I'm a Christian because I've acted so badly, Jesus knows I love Him. Amen? <laughs> Jesus knows I love Him. Jesus says, oh, you're excited about that? Yeah. You haven't seen anything yet, <laughs> is, what, is what he says. So, John becomes a disciple. Andrew becomes a disciple. Peter becomes a disciple. Philip becomes a disciple. And Nathaniel becomes a disciple. What's the secret? Someone tell me. What is the secret? The first one to tell me 
gets a hostess snack cake, if I can lay my hands on one. Of course, Mary can get me one. A hostess snack cake. If you don't know what that is, I'll tell you later. It's a delightful snack full of sugar and cream. It's a wonderful thing. You know there's a God when you bite into a hostess snack cake and those taste buds begin to dance. What's the secret? That's not them. That's good. Did you say something? Same thing. Excellent. God sought them, but let's look at it from their perspective. How did they do it? it it's really hard. It's really, really hard. This is why theologians get paid so much money, right? <laughs> they believe. They believed it's God on the donkey. They believed it's God on the cross. And if that's God on a donkey, and if that's God on the cross, the only reasonable response is I give myself to this God. Beloved, there is no other adequate response to the biblical assertion and historical fact that God is on a donkey and God is being nailed to a tree. There's only one reasonable response, and we sang it in the song. We give ourselves to Jesus. We give ourselves to Jesus. This really is the God of Genesis 1-1, Genesis chapter 6 and 7, and the God of Mount Sinai, the God of Daniel 7, and the God of Psalm 99. These guys believed. They believed. So I guess the question is, have you believed? You can tell. You can tell if you've believed. You'll, just, you'll be just like Andrew and Peter and John and Nathaniel. You'll be just like them. You'll be following Christ. You'll be following Christ. That's how you know. It's not that you gave mental assent to dogma or doctrine. It's not that you're orthodox in your beliefs. Oh, how many times have we said it in here? Satan is orthodox. The demons are orthodox. They believe in Christ. And they tremble. Right? Beloved, it's not simply believing true things. It's being changed by them. It's following. It's following after God. So I want to ask you, I can remember I had this, I exchanged an email with a brother in the church here a couple of weeks ago. And I, I still remember, I won't go into detail, but I'll tell you this. I had one day where I told God I wasn't man enough to go with him. I was so afraid. You know what he said to me? You know what, what he said to me in the Spirit of God? You know, I didn't get an audible thing, but you know what he said to me? And I hope you'll never forget this. And I found it to be true. <laughs> he says, Jim, I know you're not mad enough to go with me. <laughs> you're so pathetic in so many ways. <laughs> he said it in a loving way. 
But he said, I'm God enough for you to follow. That's what it comes down to, beloved. I'm God enough for you to trust. I'm God enough for you to obey. Amen. Amen. He's God enough. You know, in my dissertation on, on Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11 is not about you and your faith. Hebrews 11 is about God and His Godness. It's not how great your faith is. It's how great our God is. Amen? We can be Hebrews 11 Christians. We can live our faith huge because God's God. That's why. That's why. So, the answer to the question is they believed. And so I leave you with that question. Have you believed? Have you believed? Let's pray together. Oh, Lord God, we praise You. We love You. We thank You. I can't believe it. You've invited us to go with You. You've invited us to walk with You. It's an astonishing thing. It's an amazing thing. And the price of admission is that I believe. I believe I am is on the donkey. I believe I am is on the cross. I believe that my Creator is my Redeemer. I believe that Jesus is the most awesome and compelling and beautiful and desirable being in the cosmos. I believe in His finished work, I am made clean and whole and reconciled to the Father. I believe that in following Him, I will be filled with joy and gladness and happiness. And I believe that I will live forever in the presence of this awesome God. Lord, thank You. <laughs> thank You for the invitation. Thank You for our Savior. Thank You for this Gospel. We give all glory, honor, and praise to the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.